It's Tuesday, December 14th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we're uh, still in the lockout. I guess it's no news to anybody else, but uh, not much going on in terms of signings or transactions. Uh, we are still counting down our list of uh, prospects that were added to the Cleveland 40-man roster. And today we uh, we land on sort of the uh, the the hot guy of the minute, I guess. Uh, the 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 real uh, number one with a bullet lately. It's uh, it's shortstop Jose Tania, who spent the entire season at High A Lake County, uh, and then went on to the Arizona Fall League and just tore it up. Uh, Jose Tania added to the forty-man roster. Uh, I, I think it was maybe a little bit of a surprise uh, that that a guy who was uh, so young and uh, you know hadn't really played above uh, a ball uh, was added, but but this is a guy that they really risk losing if they if they had left him exposed to the Rule Five draft. Yeah, I think so, Joe. He's really uh, really had a great season at at Lake County. Um, won a Gold Glove for his uh, defense at shortstop. Then he went on, like you said, to the Arizona Fall League and won the batting title there. So this kid's 20 years old, uh, left-handed hitter, uh, you know, as you, you know, a part of that 217 international uh, free agent uh, class. Uh, he, he was Juan Uribe's nephew. I, I don't think he doesn't have Juan's body, but not if he's winning. Not if he's winning gold Juan. gloves. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this kid's, he, you know, he's 5'10", 160 pounds. Uh, and he's one of 14 infielders on the 40-man roster, Joe. 14 infielders. I, to me, they have to really have, uh, you know, high expectations or a high value on, on him to put him on the 40-man roster when they did at such a young age with so many other infielders seemingly ahead of him in their, uh, you know, in the pipeline is, is it realistic to expect Jose Tania to be able to contribute within the next three years? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I remember talking to Paul Gillespie, one of the, uh, uh, you know, the minor league uh, director of minor league operations with the Indians. This was a couple of years ago. And he said Tania was a sleeper. He was, you know, he kind of, you know, went out of his way to say that also uh Angel uh, her, uh, Martinez was another guy he kind of, uh, uh, you know, you know, kind of singled out. And, you know, he had a great year at, at Lynchburg, and they're both mm -hmm. the same kind of player, you know, middle infielders, uh, and, and that are getting stronger. And that's, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they, they, they kind of like Tanya. Maybe he's a trade chip, you know, maybe he, he interests, you know, he can draw some interest. You know, I talked to one guy. Um, in, in the Arizona, who saw him in the Arizona Fall League this winter, you know, he kind of, he, he, he was a former scout for Houston and he called him Jose Altuve light, <laughs> light, light, you know, so <laughs> then he's got, you know, the speed and quick hands like, like Altuve was when he was coming up with Houston. So that's kind of a, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm sure he's not saying he's got that kind of power, but, but, uh, you know, he did hit 16 home runs this past season after hitting, I think two, two or three in his first two years as a pro. And, you know, the 2020 season got wiped out because of the pandemic. 
right? Well, if he's 5'10", then he towers over uh, Jose Altuve. It's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah uh, right. He's, uh, he's a starting center. I mean, uh, it, if you look at his season, 413 at-bats for Lynchburg, uh, scored 58 runs, had 116 hits. That's, that's, a, you know, that's a pretty good season. Batted 281, 10 stolen bases, 58 RBIs, like you said, 16 home runs. Uh, the on-base percentage was 331, but the OPS was right up there, 798. I mean, he's close to an 800 OPS. Uh, that's that's going to make people stop and look. And then uh, he did go on to the Arizona Fall League, won the batting title there. And, I mean, he was a tough out. I, he was he was a guy not only getting on base and getting hits, but, but hitting for power uh, against better competition out there in Arizona. Uh, we sh- we should probably expect him if he's if he doesn't start off at Lake County, which I, I doubt. I I would I would imagine he starts off as the the shortstop at 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 Double A. Yeah, he's got a chance definitely. Uh, you know he um, he his imp- you know he doesn't walk a whole lot, but he makes so much contact that you know that kind of makes up for it. Uh, you know, but he has to improve his uh, you know his his uh, you know strike zone awareness. And I think he did that. He drew 25 walks. I mean, I'm sorry. He, you know, he drew 27 walks this past season after draw. I think he drew three in the Arizona, in the Arizona <laughs> rookie league in 2019. So, you know, he's getting better at that. And like you said, Joe, he's, he's a young guy. And, uh, you know, in, he was, he was younger. He was, uh, you know, the, as far as the average age in the Arizona fall league, the weighted average age, he was 2.7 years younger than anybody, you know, the average age of those players and 2.4 years younger than uh, everybody in the, uh, in, uh, in the, you know, at Lake County in, in, you know, in their division there in that league at, at the high A league. So, you know, this is a guy like a lot, like, uh, you know, like Rocio and area, uh, well, Rocio, especially, you know, it's coming fast and uh, he's doing it against, you know, superior competition and uh you know he really uh this was you know his this this was the season he needed to get to get himself on the 40-man roster and like you said he's only 20 years old right and i mean you think about it he he didn't have that 2020 season and that was a, a big year for uh development uh the the whole season got wiped out for him uh you know how does that really set him back or set him up uh, to compete with some of these other guys now who also, you know, you're talking about Tyler Freeman and Gabriel Arias and uh, Brian Rocchio, who are, are ostensibly ahead of him. Uh, how does he fit into the mix with them? Or is he not even having to think about that because his timetable might be a little bit different? Yeah, I think he's probably timetables a little pushed back. Uh, you know, I think he's probably behind those guys, but I think he, you know, just from reading some stuff, you know, he used that, that 2000 pandemic, the off season that, you know, kind of wiped out season to get stronger. You know, we saw it in his, uh, you know, his extra base hits and his power and his arm improved, uh, you know, defensively. This is a guy that um, he, in 2019, he made 11 errors, um, 11 errors in uh, 32, 32 games at short. And this past season, or th- yeah, 32 games at short, and this past season, he made three errors in 80 games, covering 695 innings at shortstop. So, 
you know, this is a guy that's getting better. You know, he's getting better every year. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's – I'm sure the Indians – that's what the Indians want to see. The, well, and that's the Guardians, thing. Guardians, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Guardians. Uh, he won a uh, uh, the minor league gold glove award at, at shortstop. Uh, a, I'm sure some of our, our listeners probably don't even realize that there, there is such a thing as the minor league gold gloves. Uh, how, does, how, does, how does one go about, you know, impressing – the right kind of people, I guess, to, to, to win that award. Yeah. Well, there's always somebody watching. If you're a professional baseball player, it doesn't matter where you're playing. Somebody is watching, somebody's grading you, somebody's dissecting your play. And uh, this kid, uh, you know, like I said, three errors in, in 60, 600 over, you know, 695 innings at short last season. Um, he, uh, you know, played a part in uh, 34 double plays. Uh, and he used that pandemic season uh, uh, to really uh, get stronger, get stronger and make his arms stronger. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's got quickness. Uh, he, he's got the range, you know, he, they think, uh, you know, just from reading the scouting reports and different stories that people have written about him, they think he can stay it short or, you know, he could make the switch and be, you know, you know, an above average second baseman. Uh, well, uh, you know, has good instincts, good arm, good glove, uh, can make the, the transition between short, second, whatever. It, it just sounds like a, a whole, you know, bunch of other prospects that the Indian or that, that Cleveland has uh, here, uh, you know, on the 40-man roster now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when, when they get to spring training and get to camp uh, eventually how he separates himself or whether he can separate himself from the Tyler Freemans, the Rokios, and, uh, you know, even the, the guys who were way ahead of him, like uh, Andres Jimenez and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, another guy uh, to, to keep an eye on, Jose Tania, as we move ahead in our countdown of uh, Cleveland Guardians, uh, top prospects that were added to the 40-man roster uh, recently within, within the last month or so. All right. Uh, I thought uh, since things are since things are, are slow, uh, I think we should dive into our uh, our mailbag here. Uh, we get some questions asked of us through our subtext subscribers uh, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, if you want to get in on uh, the fun with that and be a part of subtext uh, to get uh, daily text messages and updates and our thoughts about what's going on with Major League Baseball with the Guardians. Uh, Guardian subtext, cleveland.com slash subtext uh, to subscribe. It's, what, $4 a month, Hoinsey, and you, uh, we, we have a lot of fun. We do some, uh, occasionally we'll do some subscriber-exclusive uh, Zoom chats, and it's a fun way to, to interact with you guys. Uh, again, let's, uh, let's jump in and, uh, and figure out uh, some of these questions. Uh, we, we've got some here. Uh, from our, our readers, here's one. Uh, uh, Jim H. in North Olmsted says, earlier in the fall, you mentioned that MLB was promoting, sp uh, promoting sports betting during the playoff telecasts. Uh, the Ohio legislature recently passed a law that makes, this that, that makes it permissible. Uh, Pete Rose is banned from the Hall of Fame for life. Do you think it's possible? Major League Baseball may now change their stance toward Pete Rose, the all-time hit leader, so he could be elected to the Hall of Fame. You know, Joe, this is this is a uh, a, a question we've kicked down the road before. Um, but uh, you know, I I do not think uh, MLB 
is going to excuse uh, uh, Pete Rose. They're not going to lift a ban on him. Uh, the Hall of Fame is, you know, the Hall of Fame uh, in Cooperstown is not going to put him on the Hall of Fame ballot. This is a guy, um, you know, yes, baseball has climbed in bed with gambling, you know, where, and I never thought that would happen. Uh, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, they are really walking a thin, thin line here. They're on a slippery slope, so to speak. Well, but uh, it's it, it's not just baseball that's climbed in bed. It's all it's pretty much every major major sport in North America. So go ahead. It, yeah, you know, yeah, not definitely. just baseball. And uh, you know, if this law passes in Ohio, you, you can bet that uh, the Guardians are going to. Pro- they might open a a betting parlor in the ballpark. I mean, I know the uh, the Cubs have talked about that uh, in Illinois. The the Cubs have talked about doing doing a similar thing. Uh, so it's a, another revenue stream for the ball clubs, but you, to me, you just expose yourself to so much, so much things could go wrong. And, uh, and so I, I can see why people are, are, you know, comparing, comparing it to, uh, Rose, uh, and it, but if you excuse Rose, do you excuse the Black Sox, you know, right. did you let Joe Jackson in and, and all, you know, the, the eight men out, um, I, I just think. There's still rules on the clubhouse door and the, hung in the clubhouse that you can't gamble on on your team or any other team. You can't gamble in the game, and uh, that's the mortal sin. That's that's baseball's mortal sin. And uh, Pete broke it and lied about it, and uh, I think he's going to pay the price. I think he he has paid the price. And I don't I don't see it changing. Yeah, I, I don't see it changing either. I as far as the Pete Rose situation goes. Uh, my position has always been, I think Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, should be elected to the Hall of Fame uh, the day after he passes away. I, I don't think he should be allowed to enjoy or reap the benefits of being a Hall of Famer while he's alive on, on this earth based on his despicable, uh, you know, behavior, uh, not just in the gambling. I, I, the gambling part is forgivable. That's a disease. That's an addiction. Uh, the despicable part is the lying and the consistent lying since he was caught. And when all he had to do up front was, you know, confess to it and, and man up about it at, at the very beginning. And he would have been in the hall of fame a few years later after a, after a one or two year ban or something like that. I, I really do believe that. Uh, as far as the, the sports book and the gambling coming to progressive field, I can I can promise you the the updates and the changes that are are being talked about and being planned for the ballpark in some way are going to make accommodations for the eventuality of uh, gambling sports gambling coming to Ohio. Uh, it's it, 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 there will be something at the ballpark for sure, and and these plans uh, for for construction will will definitely take that into account. It would it would be silly for them not to. Uh, this this is a train that's that's coming down the tracks, and uh, you're either going to be uh, ahead of the game with it, or or you're going to get left left behind. And I, I can see that coming for sure. Uh, next question up from Jim B in Independence. Hey, uh, hey Paul, have you heard how John Adams is doing? Uh, he's been he was greatly missed at the ballpark this past season. Uh, is is he? Uh, you know, what are what are the prospects there of him returning to the park for for next year? Uh, I don't know. I ha- I haven't heard anything of an update. Uh, you might uh, you might have something there. Uh, have you talked, talked to? to I, yeah, I, I talked to uh, uh, 
Curtis Danberg with the uh, with the Guardians, he said John is still uh, you know dealing with the health problems that have kept him away from the ballpark for the last two years. Uh, but he is hopeful that uh, you know he'll be able to make it back in 2022. And the ballpark isn't the same without him. So uh, you know, hopefully, I th there's a lot of people pulling for him to get back there. Uh, this question from Carl in Orlando. Uh, Hoinsey, if you were the GM, who's the number one free agent you would try to sign knowing, uh, you know, that the Indians have budgets and they have, have constraints and all that kind of stuff. Wow. That's a great question. Um, I would, I would have to go, uh, uh you know, for an outfielder, um, uh, a guy like Michael Conforto. Boy, you just stole the name that I was going to throw out. There. Oh, Hoinsey, you got me. Michael Conforto. That's the name. That's the one. Watch watch that. Guardians fans, watch that name. Once Michael Conforto comes off the board, then you can throw your hands up and say they're not going to get anybody because he's the one who who might be reasonably affordable and, and willing to, to make the move. And you know what? You know, I saw – I was looking at Andrew McCutcheon, too. I mean, I know he's 38. You know, he's or 35, but he had a great year this past season. He's out there. You know, I, I know I think he made like, you know, he was at the tail end of that big, that contract that the Pirates gave him. Uh, maybe he could you could bring him in and play him on, in a corner somewhere. Well, uh, you know, if if they're making accommodations at the ballpark for, uh, you know, new uh, new concessions and new new things like that, maybe they can put in a wheelchair ramp for Andrew McCutcheon out there in the field. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, 137 years old. I can't, uh, that's, uh, that's, that would be, uh, you know, maybe we played what in Philly this year and, and. Yeah. He got in right. the giants, didn't he? Or did he get. Uh... No, I, I believe he was, was with Philly. Uh, I'll tell you what I, that would, that's the kind of move that yes. Chris Antonetti and, and Mike Chernoff are, are famous for is, is getting a, a guy who was, you know, maybe a little bit, just a little bit past his prime and, and seeing if there's anything left in him. Uh, and, and McCutcheon might be a, a guy to, to, to keep an eye on for sure. All right, let's, uh, let's grab one more of these questions here and we'll go with that. Last question from Dave England in uh, Baton Rouge. Here we go. Uh, would you trade Savali or Henches? And Plesak for a solid outfielder, one that's slash 275, 340, 440, with 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, a good strikeout to walk ratio, and play decent corner defense. Well, I don't know who they're describing there, but that, that sounds like exactly what Cleveland needs in the outfield. Uh, I think Savali and Plesak plus Henches would be too high of a price to pay. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe if if you wanted to, first of all, we got to find out how, how, how long they control, you have control over that outfielder. And right. uh, uh, we didn't hear that, but uh, I can't trade two starters like Savali and Plesak, you know, they've established themselves in the big leagues and had some, you know, some level of success for an outfielder. Maybe, maybe you go Hankis and, and Plesak for an outfielder, you know, maybe you do it that way, but, but. Uh, I do that. I do that right now. Yeah, you could do that. And but both uh, of those guys, both of those guys are guys that are going to throw 200 innings this year if they're healthy. Yeah, so you, I, you can't do that. I don't think you can do that. 
No, you can't. You can't. Even though you know this uh, mystery player that you're describing here, Dave, uh, 275 with 25 homers and 80 RBIs. If he's a a, a decent corner outfielder uh, uh, defensively, uh, hopefully he's not a figment of your imagination because if he's out there and the uh, and Cleveland can can you know get their hooks into him, uh, that would be great. But uh, yeah, that, that's the guy. A guy with that kind of productivity usually commands between, you know, 20 and $30 million a year. And, and I don't see Cleveland paying that uh, uh, this upcoming season. All right, Hoinsey, uh, we will be back again tomorrow with another look at another prospect uh, counting down the list uh, as we, you know, make it through another week of the lockout and look forward to uh, maybe some movement here uh, towards the end of the month here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe. 